welcome to the Euro Trips podcast. We are back for more talk European football. This week with another twist, as we're going to do our little roundups. And on top, we're going to give you three t- three teams from each league with players and positions they should focus on this January in the transfer window. I am, as usual, your host, Andy, and I am this week joined by our usual four other guests. So I'm here with Jonathan, Naeem, Alex and Ryan. How are you, boys? Doing good. Very well, thank you. Doing very good, thank you. Good stuff, good stuff. Good, yeah. So, um, carrying on with the theme of the intro, uh, we are going to go to um, League, not League, we're going to Serie A first. Um, so, Ryan, what's been happening in Serie A and what is your first team that needs to buy players in certain positions and what players they link to? Well, the league table hasn't changed too drastically in recent weeks, but we had some great games at the weekend. Most notably, Atlanta's 6-2 demolition of Udinese. And Juventus come from 3-1 down to beat Jose Mourinho's Roma 4-3 in a end-to-end game. Brilliant, brilliant game. Unfortunately, didn't watch it. I was watching Arsenal getting bad by Nottingham Forest. But um, I watched the highlights and, you know, there were some fantastic goals in the game, especially by Lorenzo Pellegrini, who scored a free kick from quite some distance out. But, some games have gone ahead and some haven't because the Italian FA are just as big of a shambles as the English counterpart. You've got situations where teams have turned up to the stadiums and they're physically training on the stadium pitch and the game is not even going ahead because of obviously COVID-19. You've got, you know, a good example was in Milan this week who turned up ready for a game with Bologna, I think it was. Bologna were never going to be playing the game. They had players out through COVID. They physically were not allowed to play the game. And yet, it still turned up. We're still made to go and train on the pitch. Everything was checked. They checked goal line technology. They checked the pitch, all of this stuff. When they knew that it wasn't going to go ahead, and Inter were then awarded a 3-0 win by default, Bologna were deducted one point, And yet, it doesn't make any sense because this happened last year with Juventus and Napoli and Napoli then appealed. The game was rescheduled for a later date and it was played at a later date, which is exactly what's going to happen with this game and the other two games, which were some similar circumstances this week as well. So it's a bit of a farce at the moment in Serie A with all this rescheduling and postponing, you know, no one really knows what's going on. So, it doesn't make life easy at all. But, as I say, the the league table um, hasn't changed. Inter still lead the way by one point, but they do have a game in hand on second place in Milan. Napoli have dipped in recent weeks. They've fallen to third, and they could see themselves nine points behind Inter should they win their game in hand. Juve are creeping up on Atalanta in fifth and fourth, respectively, with five points, then separating sixth place Fiorentina and 13th place Verona. So it's very tight in the midfield section with Salernitana, Cagliari and Genoa all trading in the bottom three with Venezia four points clear in 17th. So it's starting to heat up a little bit. There's almost like three or four mini tables going on, but it's still all to play for. And it leads me on nicely to the first team that I've chosen for the transfer topics and the Juventus. And basically, 
they have one and one only must for this window unless they sign a striker. It's it's that simple. They have to get someone in this window, especially now they've lost Federica Chiesa for a fair few months to an ACL injury. They've been linked to the likes of Vlahovic, Luis Suarez, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. And although those names would do them very well, financially, they don't have the money to get any of them, really. Uh, maybe Aubameyang. Um, it'll be interesting to see who they can get, especially mid-season, because if you've got a club who's doing very well in Europe, they won't tend to want to part with a striker scoring goals, especially halfway through the season, if they're going for Europe or even a league title or battling relegation. So it'll be tricky. Uh, Aubameyang would make the most sense because obviously Arsenal want, want him gone. It doesn't appear that he wants to stay at Arsenal either. It's whether they can get his mammoth wages down or not because I don't think Arsenal would command a big transfer fee, but we'll see. In terms of the outgoings, they need to sell. It's quite simple. They have the likes of Aaron Ramsey, Adrian Rabiot and Archie Mello, who they want to get rid of. But again, they're all on massive wages. Undoubtedly, they're all gifted players at different ages in their careers, but they just haven't shone in Turin. Same goes for Federico Bernadeschi and Weston McKennie as well, who are players that have to improve very, very quickly. Otherwise, they're heading for the same scenario. And you think they'd entertain offers probably for all five of those players this window because it's almost like they have to rebuild that squad. They've got no cover at both right back and left back as well. And they've got a very aging defence. So apart from Mateus De Ligt, who was sent off at the weekend as well. But a lot of a lot to do. And it's weird that they're actually looking to try and bring in another centre midfielder, considering the bulk of players that they have there already. You'd think that before anything happens in there, they would have to sell at least two or three of those players that I just mentioned there. But yeah, all going on for uh, the old lady this window. But again, it depends what they have to spend and who they can get out the door first. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Um, interesting development. Obviously, last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was, I was severely mocked for my pronunciation of a certain striker you just mentioned. I have a little interesting story. I, I looked up this. I looked up how to pronounce his surname. And it actually isn't Vlahovic. It's Flahovic. So um, I think I think you owe me some you. sort of an apology. For the, for at least him, anyway. Wait, who? Me? Or, or all of you. <laughs> we apologise um, for mocking you about Dusan Vlahovic. And that's um, as far as it goes. <laughs> can you... After that, after that, we'd like you to Google the pronunciation of Myron Breddu. <laughs> right, I, I'll get you on that one. Um, right, so we're now on to. Whilst you're speaking, Alex, you might as well go to you next. We're going to go to Ligue 1. Um, so, so um, yeah, what's been happening in French football? And also, who is your first team uh, you want to focus on in terms of the transfer window? Right, I've put down my shorthand notes uh, to focus on this. And I've actually come prepared because it was a really fun weekend in Ligue 1, I thought. Um, the first game I watched was Friday night as Bordeaux v Marseille, where Marseille won for the first time away at Bordeaux in over 40 years. If you think that sounds weird, it's because Bordeaux, one of the dominant teams, I think in the 1980s in France and in Europe. Um, but Marseille, they got the win. It came from a really nice goal from Cengiz Under. Um, he's actually quite a good season, I believe. I think he's on like, I'll get it up now. I think he's on 
close to 12 or 14 goal contributions. Uh, the former Leicester player, former Roma player, who I will know of. Uh, but yeah, he's having a very good season. Um, yeah, Marseille looked quite well in this game. They're probably trying to shift players uh, this window. They've loaned Jordan Amavi out because uh, they spent so much money in the uh, in the summer. The next game I watched was quite a uh, disappointing one for Ren fans. It was Lons one Ren nil. Uh, Lons, who ended last year a little worse than they were. They were at one point second in the league and they dropped to about sixth, but they just about squeezed past a talented Ren side who, despite having players like Lovro Meyer, who I've spoke about on this podcast for the Croatian midfielder, they couldn't create anything against uh, uh, against Lons. And uh, the goal came from Wesley Saeed. And the game I do prefer, it's a big game we will talk about in a second, but important one because Monaco uh, drew 0-0 away at Nantes. Now, this was the new manager, Philippe Clement's first game. That's because Nico Kovac got sacked uh, during the Christmas break. And this is a big game. Uh, this is a big one for potentially Manchester United and Chelsea fans uh, to really keep an eye on because, obviously, Monaco's best midfielder, Olian Tushemeni, uh, he was said to have quite a close relationship with the former boss, Nico Kovac. And I paid close attention to him for this game. And uh, he... He's previously been deployed as like a in in a sort of a double pivot in midfield and like a four four two under Philippe Clement, who is the boss who was at Club Bruges for seasons. He's been the guy behind behind their real come up. Uh, he almost played like a diamond formation. Like it was like a it was like a three one four two, which like the central centre back kind of dropped really deep, almost like a, a sweeper. And then Tuchel is the first midfield to receive. So he was playing in this slightly different position, which I quite enjoyed. But he, Monaco really need to get their shit into gear because I think they're seventh at the moment. They are still only one point off fourth, but it's been a bit of a disappointment uh, for them. And if Monaco don't get European football, Tuchel could be um, on the way out. Just a quick segment as well, uh, because we mentioned him, Myron Bordeaux. Um, about how bad he's been. I think we, I've slightly touched on this podcast. Not sure how much I've got into it. And it's because he missed a sitter the last time Monaco played. He had a terrific game, I have to tell you guys. Uh, he came on in the 70th minute. Uh, then, with about 10 minutes left, the score still 0 0 as it ended. Uh, he went up for a corner, and Clement, you could hear him from the touchline. Uh, maybe close because they both come from um, Belgium and Netherlands. You could hear Clement shouting to Boadu, like words of encouragement, like screaming his name over and over. And Boadu turned around and gave him a thumbs up and sort of a face to say like, it's all right, I've got this. I've got this. Um, the corner came in, it went back out. It got crossed back in. Boadu had a big chance in front of goal, completely missed the ball, injured himself and straight away had to come off. So he's not having a good time in France. And I thought I'd just touch on that because I found it really funny. And the final game and the team it will lead straight into need to focus on in the transfer window. Lyon v PSG. It ended 1-1. And PSG this season, they haven't beaten Lyon's uh, Lyon, uh, Marseille or uh, I can't remember the other team. It's, Basically, they haven't beaten Ren. That was it. They haven't beaten any of the the good teams in France, really, which is quite damning on them, and it's damning on Poch. They they did have something to shout about in this game, even though they were dominated for about sixty minutes. Once their two youngsters, Xavi Simon and Edouard uh, Midshut, came on, I think they're eighteen or nineteen years old. They were brilliant. Ran the game. Really good to see. Uh, but Lyon, in truth, deserved the win, and the, the best player on the pitch I can think of watching it was Mbappe and PSG's one and only 
thing they need to do this transfer window is sign Mbappe to a new contract because although Messi, Di Maria and Neymar were out, there was still Wijnaldum starting, still Icardi starting, still Verratti starting. He's a really good player, obviously. And on the other side, you had like uh, Husamawa, Bruno Gimaraes, he's been great, and Lucas Paquetta, who scored. Mbappe just looks on a different planet, gliding past players. He was the centre of everything PSG's playing. I was watching him, and I just got the impression, if they let him sign a pre-contract with Madrid, or he goes at the end of the season, even with Messi and Neymar to come in, I just don't think they have a player like Mbappe, like with the explosiveness he has, the impact he has on the game. So, yeah, to focus on the transfer window, especially after this game, PSG... Their one and only target is to keep Mbappe, even if it's for another two seasons or just one more season. Yeah, I think that with Mbappe, there's talk, isn't there, that he might even be sold in January. I think there's talk of Madrid even offering £50 million um, to try and get him off the now sort of thing. And I think that that will certainly make them... Obviously, no, ignore me. He, he couldn't play Champions League anyway. I'm thinking maybe he can make them Champions League for one of the favourites, but he well, they're meant to play each other, aren't they? In the um, oh Rams yeah, of League. course, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, God, that'd make it interesting, wouldn't it? If he if he joined, <laughs> obviously, he wouldn't play because of the whole cup type thing. But he, that's certainly. But I think you know, there's talk from getting Haaland next summer as well. Um, if they get Mbappe and Haaland, that's just an, an and obviously Vinicius is the on the left wing. That's an unbelievable fun three they'd have. So, yeah, it's interesting what happens with those two players in particular. Probably the two best young players in the world right now. Well, I say young, sort of mm. young-ish, but not young in sort of. Thing, I mean, but... you mentioned Haaland. I can't wait to go on to. He needs to leave Dortmund. I can't wait for Jonathan to explain why. Well, we might as well go to him. Um, the next league is our our German league coverage. So, Jonathan, what's been happening in Germany, and who is your team first of all? Yeah, well, first about Erling Holland, he he will definitely be gone this summer. But this past weekend was a lot of fun. We're finally back with a little bit of Bundesliga action after a couple weeks off. It started off as it did to start the season, pretty much to start the season. Mönchengladbach was the first game of the Bundesliga season back in August or September, whatever that was. And they tied with Bayern. They deserved that win this time around, first game of the second half of the season. And they did beat Bayern. Bayern obviously had a ton of COVID cases. A lot of players were out. But they still had Lewandowski, Müller, Kimmich, who finally returned after a tough, tough couple of weeks there with some uh, COVID hesitancy, COVID vaccine hesitancy that um, made some people a little upset, but he seems to be back. But Moshe Gladbach took advantage, advantage of this. They seem to only beat Bayern Munich in the league. They've struggled all year long, and, and it's just so strange that they can only beat Bayern. And it's very weird. Leipzig beat Mainz 4-1, to one, absolutely throttled them. Christopher Nkunku is one of the best in the world. Um, he's just so, so good. Came on, scored, assisted. I, I mean, he just, he's so good. I, I'm guessing he'll make a move at some point in the next year or two to England or big club, um, he's he's going to be next level for the next couple of years. I'm pretty upset about the Freiburg game from, from this weekend. They were up 2-0 46 minutes in against Armenia Bielefeld, who are in a major relegation battle at the moment. And 
Christian Streich, Freiburg's coach. Freiburg, halfway through the season, were sitting third in the table behind Bayern Munich and Dortmund. And they were up 2-0 in this game. And Streich goes back and changes his formation to a little bit more of a defensive lineup. And they stopped attacking. Bielefeld took advantage, went right after Freiburg, scored two goals, ended up tying 2-2. I, I, I don't really understand this because... Strike is beloved in the Bundesliga. Everybody loves him, and I and you know I appreciate what he's done these last ten years. But Freiburg actually have a chance here to make it to the Champions League, and Strike still used his tactics of just trying to hold on in the game when they needed to keep pushing, keep scoring goals, and to tie to a team like Armenia Bielefeld is horrendous. Dortmund, on the other hand, came back against Frankfurt. They were 2-0 down in the 71st minute. Torgan Hazard scored a goal that propelled Dortmund to score two more by Jude Bellingham and Mo Dehoud. They won 3-2. It was a wild game. Um, it, it looks like, I saw this tweet the other day, but it, it does look like that Real Madrid, I think they made a slight mistake in buying the wrong Hazard. Um, it's not like Torgan has been that amazing for Dortmund, but he seems to be doing a little bit better than his brother in recent times, but that pretty much sums up this past weekend in the Bundesliga. Dortmund really, really needed that win. Bayern are still six points clear. I still think that Dortmund are three or four players behind. Um, they, they needed to beat Frankfurt and take advantage when Bayern, you know, had a surprising drop of all three points and they luckily pulled it out. But Dortmund need a winger. They need some defense. They need midfield, which brings me to my first team that I just want to discuss a few transfer options for. Um, I think next summer, Kareem Adeyemi from Albi Salzburg will be coming over. You know, he's obviously been linked with Barcelona. Even some believe he'll stay in the Red Bull system with RB Leipzig. But I do think he'll join Dortmund, especially when Holland does leave this summer. Daniel Malin has been a little better in the last couple of weeks, maybe it's the new haircut that he's gotten. He's got a shaved head pretty much now. But he's finally turned it on after a slow start coming over from PSV. I think they signed him for $33 million. A lot of people have been upset uh, in the fall with his play. They didn't feel like he was living up to that hefty fee, especially a fee that Dortmund doesn't usually pay, um, especially for young talent as they have just so many great academy players. Gio Reyna coming back here in a little bit will be huge. Dan Axel Zagadu is sort of an up-and-coming good defender. He's been linked with United. Axel Witzel could leave in the summer. So they will they will lose, most likely, some of that midfield and defense and two areas of the pitch that they already need help with in general. Alex knows about this guy a lot better than I do, but Mohamed Ali Cho, um, 17-year-old attacker, could come shortly and they've also been linked with Dennis Zakaria. I feel like I mentioned his name on every single podcast at this point. He's linked with every top club in Europe almost, but most clubs will be able to get him for a free chance for the summer. I still think he'll go to Liverpool, but you know, he could be that defensive midfielder that Dortmund are so, so badly lacking um, in sort of that center of the pitch. Patrick Schick has been linked. I, I, you know, there's a chance he'll come. I wouldn't really like to see it. He's been a guy that's been moved around these last couple of years. People thought, you know, he was going to be that next big thing, sort of 
fizzled out, didn't do too much. And finally this year with Leverkusen, he has a ton of goals, is scoring every single match day. Um, and so now people are just linking in with Dortmund. I don't really want to see this. I want to see Schick thrive for at least a couple of years and just have that stability. Uh, and then, of course, finally, they, they've been linked with Jude Bellingham's brother, Joe Bellingham, who's 16-year-old, and, of course, he's at Birmingham City as well. So I, I, Erling Holland will be gone. They'll replace him with, um, I'm guessing, Adayemi, who is an exact man-to-man replacement. He's a very different type of player. Um, Ali Cho could come over, but you, you can never replace a guy like that. And, you know, without fully replacing early Holland, they probably won't do enough to fix their midfield and defense yet again come this summer. Um, you know, it's, it's, it sounds like another second place finish in 2023 to me. And then Naeem, what's been happening in Spain? All right, yeah, so kicking off this weekend, it's probably one of the results that I wasn't expecting to happen. So it was actually the first game this Saturday. Um, it was Avante, they took on Mallorca. Um, so yeah, they actually beat Mallorca 2-0 at home, um, thanks to Soldado, obviously the forgotten Spurs man there. He scored 15 seconds into the second half. Um, Mallorca, they did actually have a chance to equalise in the 68th minute after receiving a penalty, but Brian Olivian's penalty was actually saved by Fernandez, who put in a man-of-the-match performance, uh, making eight saves. Um, Levante actually did double their lead um, right at the death, thanks to Jose Luis Morales, who obviously he also got on the score sheet. But um, yeah, this was obviously Levante's first win in the league um, in 20 attempts, and it is the first win in the league um, going back um, to April last year. So a run of 27 games, they went without a win. So I think out of all the top teams in Europe, they are the, probably the, the only team to get their first win right now. So yeah, that was um, a good win for them. Um, so yeah, they probably still will go down, but you know they can go down fighting. So that's not too much of a problem. And the next game I'll focus on is Real Madrid against Valencia. So Real Madrid actually did lose 1-0 to Getafe um, on the 2nd of January. So they obviously need to bounce back as Sevilla aren't too far away from them in the league. So they got there. They got the first goal in the 43rd minute, thanks to a pen- penalty from Karim Benzema. Um, Vinicius Junior, he doubled their lead in the second half. Um, it was a well-taken goal, got past two players. We well, not the ball, um, sorry, past two players. And he started in the bottom right-hand side of the goal. Um, they also, so yeah, also... Um, Guedes, he made it 3-1 um, after nodding home from a Courtois penalty save. But Benzema, he finished off the scoring um, with a nice, well-taken goal. Um, so that game finished 4-1. Uh, the Villarreal, they took on Atletico Madrid. It was a good game. I actually managed to catch most of this game. Um, Villarreal, they went 1-0 down in the first 10 minutes. Uh, thanks thanks to Correa scoring pretty much the goal of the year so far. Um, he, pre- he scored from the halfway line after seeing the uh, goalkeeper um, was off his line. So yeah, they made it 1-0. Um, Lamar, he then obviously handled the ball in the 23rd minute. Um, and Gerard Moreno, his penalty, penalty was saved by Oblak. Danny Parejo actually did score the rebound, but VAR overturned it because um, he actually handled the ball um, uh, there. 
Pal Torres, uh, he equalised in the 29th minute um, after Oblak spilled a Danny Parejo free kick. Alberto Moreno, he then put uh, Villarreal up 2-1 in the second half um, before Condogbia equalised less than 10 minutes um, later on. So the draw means Atletico Madrid have only one win and lost last six La Liga matches, uh, while Villarreal, um, they are now unbeaten in the last five in the league. Barcelona, they took on Granada away and they dropped points again. Um, they they drew one all with Barcelona. Barcelona did actually obviously take the lead in the second half, thanks to Luke de Jong. But Cavi got sent off uh, with a second yellow um, and obviously they had to play the rest of the game with 10 men. But obviously Granada, they equalised in the 89th minute. So just quickly going through the, some of the other results. Um, so Real Sociedad beat Celta Vigo 1-0 at home. Uh, Rayo Vallecano, they drew 1-0 with Real Betis. Sevilla won 1-0, um, keeping up the pressure on uh, Real Madrid. Osasuna, they beat Cadiz 2-0. And Espanyol, they lost 2-1 at home to Elche. So the team I just want to quickly um, focus on is Real Betis. Uh, I mentioned them. So yeah, they currently sit third in La Liga table and they are still currently in the Europa League. Um, they've got a tie against Zenit St. Petersburg next month. So the players that they have been, they haven't really been linked with too many players, but the ones I, um, I've seen that they have been linked with is Danny Caballos. Um, obviously, he's back at Real Madrid after being on loan at Arsenal. He actually came off the bench um, the other day against Valencia um, to make his first appearance of the season. So he's not really in Ancelotti's plan. So he has been linked with a, a loan move to Real Betis. So uh, that that could probably you know boost his career a bit because I don't think he's going to make it at Real Madrid. So I think if he wants to play week in, week out, he needs to find somewhere else to go. The other player that they have been linked with is um, Eric uh, Pulgal. Um, he is a defensive midfielder from Fiorentina. He hasn't played that much times this season. He's only featured in about six games so far this season. So um, they may look to try and um, acquire his services, but he might. There have been interest from other Serie A teams. So, you know, um, usually uh, players in Italian league, they usually do move around the same league. They don't usually tend to uh, move abroad as such, especially the Italian players as well. Um, they also they also need another attacking midfielder. Um, that's if Nabil Fakir if he moves away in January. I can't see it happening, but if they do, they're going to need uh, another another creative midfielder in there because they are quite short. Um, and another another position that they may need to fulfil is uh, right back. Um, obviously, Hector Bellerin's there on loan at the moment. They might look to secure his services in the summer. Um, but we went to yet to see, so they may need to um, strengthen in the right back position. But yeah, they don't need to strengthen too much. But those are the players that they have been linked with. And yeah, if if um, Pellegrini wants to get Champions League football, then yeah, I think they do need to strengthen strengthen there. But yeah, quickly before I finish, I'll just go through the the Liga table. So obviously, top we've got Real Madrid. They are on 49 points, playing the game more than Sevilla in second place on 44 points. Real Betis are third with 34 points. Um, fourth, play, fourth and fifth place, um, both level on points are Atletico Madrid and Real Sociedad. Barcelona are in sixth place. And obviously just outside of the European spaces are Rio Vallecano um, on 31 points. Uh, down at the bottom, 
after their first win of the season, uh, Levante still remained rock bottom on 11 points. Cadiz, they're on 14 points. And making up the last relegation place is um, Deportivo Alaves on 17 points. So, yeah, it's, um, there is still a title race going um, going in La Liga. You know, there's only, what, five five points um, separating first and second. And obviously, like I said, Sevilla's still got a game in hand. So, you know, if they win that, they'll be two points behind them. So... Yeah, I thought Real Madrid would be running away with it, but yeah, that shock defeat against Getafe, um, I wasn't expecting that. But yeah, um, I, it's going to be out of Real Madrid and Sevilla now because uh, Real Betis in third points are 10 points behind Sevilla. So yeah, that's a quick little roundup of what's been going on in the Liga this weekend. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Naeem. We're now going to head to the final league we're talking about today, and that is the Premier League. So before I go on to my first team, just looking at the results from the last seven days, um, in terms of on Saturday, Spurs won in the last minute at Watford, uh, thanks to a, Dav- a late Davison Sanchez header. And West Ham beat Palace 3 uh, 2. Goals from two goals from Lanzini and a goal from Antonio, as well as goals from Elise and Edouard. And then on Sunday, uh, Stephen Gerrard suffered his first loss as Villa manager, not to a um, top three team, as he as they lost 2 1 to Brentford. Uh, the goals came from Rosalev and Visa, with Danny Ings, the goal for Aston Villa. Uh, Brighton won away at Goodison Park 3-2. Two goals from McAllister and one from Dan Byrne, as well as two goals from youngster uh, Gordon. And then Leeds beat Burnley 3-1. Uh, Maxwell Cornet got, got the goal for Burnley, whereas it was Stuart Dallas, Jack Harrison and former Man U player Dan James who got the goal. And then on Monday night, Wolves beat Man U 1-0 at, at, away from home, their first ever win at Old Trafford in over 40 years. But it was the games at the start and the end of the weekend that have played a massive impact on the title race. So, and it probably proves why City are going to be champions. I think it was evident in this game, in both these games, why City are the favourites and there's no one really going to stop them winning the league. So, uh, first of all, on a Saturday, more a sort of lunchtime game, 12 o'clock, the first game of 2022. Uh, Man City won 2-1 to Arsenal, but this wasn't the full story. So, initially, Arsenal took the lead through Saka, then a penalty from Riyad Mahrez, but the controversy here was that Arsenal had a penalty appeal in the first half from a tackle on Udegaard from Edison, which wasn't looked at on VAR, whereas the penalty from Mahrez was, and they were very similar tackles. That caused a lot of controversy. And then right at the end, when, when it seemed like Arsenal was still going to get some points in the game, uh, Rodri got a last-minute goal and ran up to the Arsenal fans. Um, so City sort of won this game, not playing well, but they showed what champions do, and, and they win games when, when they're not their best. Whereas on Saturday, Sunday evening, or half ball, Chelsea and Liverpool played out a 2-2 draw, whereas both teams showed their defensive frailties. For Liverpool took a 2-0 lead through Sadio Mane after a mistake from Trevor Chalaber and a goal from Mohamed Salah, a wonderful individual goal. But then a wonder goal from Kovacic brought Chelsea back in the game before Christian Pulisic, just moments later, scored much to the delight of Gary Neville. Um, and in terms of other games, it's all been FA Cup this weekend, so most of the teams, you know, Spurs just about got through. Arsenal went out, as I mentioned before. Liverpool were 1-0 down at home to Shrewsbury, but then they got um, the 4-1 win. I think Fabinho scored twice. Firmino, uh, I can't think who scored the other goal. Uh, and then the other teams, City, won come to be, uh, I think it was away at, away at Swindon, I want to say. And then uh, Manny beat Villa last night with Gerrard back at Old Trafford as manager. And then I think Chelsea, and Chelsea won as well. So, the FA Cup, almost mostly sort of um, 
as you were in terms of the top teams. Anyway, a few teams like Newcastle and Reading and all that had some stinkers and went out to lower league teams. But we will now move on to our first team we'll focus on. And it is no shock to the audience that the first team I'm going to focus on is Liverpool. So obviously this is a team I watched week in, week out. Obviously our two, I mentioned then, Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane. They're both currently away on international duty in the African Cup of Nations. And I think even if they were there, I think sort of wide player depth is needed because we have Origi, we have Minamino, but obviously Jota's there as well, but he, he starts most of the time anyway. Um, but I think, we, I think we just need a bit more depth in those positions uh, because I think that even without AFCOM, these players could easily, you know, get a big injury. I mean, we're very lucky that neither player had a massive injury to, so far since joining us. They'd be very consistent most of the time with their injury record. So um, the player we've been, we've been most linked with attacking-wise is Porto's Luis Diaz. He's been rumoured to be about £60 million. Um, not seen too much of him myself, but I still see highlights of him playing against Matati either this year or last year in the um, Champions League. And it would have been last year because there's no fans in the stadium. And he's got a wonderful goal. So I've not seen too much of him, but from what I've seen on YouTube highlights, he looks like a good player. But I struggle to, you know, get too much hope after YouTube highlights because I thought Markovic would be a good player after watching him on YouTube. Um, other positions, I think midfield is a big one. I think midfield is a big one first. I think last year our biggest thing was defence. I think we had a lot of centre-back issues, whereas this year it seems to have moved to centre-mid. We obviously we lost Wijnaldum and Harvey Edit was playing a lot of games centrally. Uh, which leaves that, you know, we've got Fabinho, Henderson, Milner's getting older every day. He seems to be getting worse and worse. Uh, and obviously Fabinho, Thiago might be injured for the rest of the year. So midfield's another one we have to really look at. Maybe not starters, but just players we can sort of use centrally in, as depth. Um, we reportedly wanted Olympiakos midfielder Agui Bukamara, who's been also reportedly linked with AC Milan. Uh, and then in terms of other midfield, I think Rafinha, Rafinha's been another one linked. Um, I think he's someone that can play out wide, but I think I also like, like the idea of him playing as a cam, because I think that's one thing we are missing, uh, with, especially with Thiago out, sort of a creative midfielder. So he'd be someone, I, I think he'd be my number one target, personally, Rafinha, because I think he's an excellent player, and I think he's way too good for Leeds. Um, I saw people think with Eden Hazard, I report that Klopp wanted to bring Eden Hazard from Real Madrid, but... There's talk, rumours, rumour mill that is that the Anfield board don't want him. Um, and Elsie Coutinho, I would have loved back at Liverpool, but he, in the end, reunited with Steven Gerrard at Aston Villa by um, initially signing on loan, but there was talk of a £13 million permanent deal if they, you know, unleashed the option to buy. Um, so, yeah, I think for us, a creative midfielder and uh, attacking depth is our biggest need. But we will head back now to Syria. So, Ryan... Who was your second team and what are their transfer targets? My second team was another team towards the top end of the table in Milan. AC Milan for our UK viewers or listeners. Um, this is without a doubt a golden opportunity for Milan to win a Squadetto this season, given Juve's struggles and the inconsistency of Napoli, Atlanta, Lazio and Roma. Obviously, they've got to overcome their first rivals in there at the top, but they aren't, you know, like, like a Juventus of previous seasons. They can be beat, and I believe the gap could be closed as well. So it's a massive window for them because they desperately need a right winger. They're very short there. You've got Alexis Salamakas, whose quality is without question. He's a very, very talented young player. The trouble is he's almost a similar player to Ashraf Hakimi in terms of 
not being quite good enough going forward as a as an out and out winger, but he's not really a fullback either. He's more of a right midfielder, and that's how we see Hakimi play at PSG. But Milan, they don't play that same system, so he doesn't really fit in at the moment to the Milan team, and they haven't really got anyone else to play there. And when you look at the other sides, you've got Teo Hernandez and Rafael Leal. You know, that's one of the quickest, you know, wings in world football, two extremely talented players. And at right back, they've got Davide Calabria, who's had a fantastic season. They just need that right winger. They've been linked to Nicolas Pepe of Arsenal, who, for me, would be a perfect move for all involved. It's not worked for him at Arsenal. It doesn't look like it's ever going to work. And obviously, the Serie A league is a bit more suited, I believe, to his to his attributes. It's a little bit slower. It's not as demanding. They get a bit more time on the ball. And I think it would be, you know, it makes sense for all involved, as I say, to, to part ways now. Uh, whether, how much they could get on for is another question. But they've also been looking at a centre-back. Sven Botman is the man that they want, but they can't afford him in this window. Doesn't appear now that he's going to Newcastle, much to Alex's delight. And, I mean, they're looking at cheaper alternatives, the likes of Nathan Ake and Maylung Saar, possibly on loan. Uh, both of those are wanted by West Ham as well. But, I mean, I don't see much happening in terms of outgoings for Milan because they've already got a bit of a small squad anyway. And you've got the likes of Frank Kessie, Alessio Romagnoli and Zlatan Ibrahimovic whose contracts are all up in the summer. I think Ibrahimovic wants to stay for another year. Kessie, we already know, is probably going to leave. Robin Lowley is, a, is an interesting one because you know, he's been been at Milan for a very long time and he's been sort of their star centre-back for a long time, but he's not really improved. And, you know, they... I don't know, it's, it's, it's a weird one with him because... He's not, again, he's not progressing as much as they would want. And it's almost certain that he, he will leave, I think, unless they can tie him up to a new contract. So, yeah, it could be a very interesting window for, for Milan. Again, like, like many other clubs, it depends what they have to spend because their owners aren't mega rich. They don't put that much into the club. And I think it's the same for all Italian clubs at the moment. Obviously, COVID's hit them very hard as it has hit many other clubs and it'll be interesting again to see if they can ship anyone out maybe to bring some money in but yeah I'll be very interested to see who they can get in especially on that right wing as I said I think Andy's died Is he there? And he's back. Sorry for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you for that, uh, Ryan, for your, Serie a, your second Serie A team. Uh, we will now head back to Alex for his second league earned team. OK, well, I will talk about Lyon because they're a team that's hot, hot, hot on names, everyone. I mean, they've been linked to uh, Ryan's team, uh, Juventus, uh, with uh, Bruno Guimaraes, who's also been linked to Arsenal. Um, the price is at 45 million euros. And the well-known thing about Jean-Michel Alas is that, uh, the Lyon president, he will sell 
uh, at the right price. They usually set an internal price and he'll say, oh, this player's not for sale, not for sale, not for sale. They reach the price and they sell him straight away. So Bruno Guimaraes, if someone reaches that price tag, then the Brazilian midfielder could go and that would be a really big coup for someone. But it would mean that potentially they'll need backup in midfield and they would definitely need backup up front because um, Petr Bosch this season hasn't really turned to uh, Zimbabwe and uh, Tino Cadawere. And um, Toko Akambi's played more off the wing, so it's left Musa Dembele up front, who's been okay, actually, the 25-year-old Frenchman striker. He, he was formerly at Celtic. I think he's he's got a few goals this season. He missed quite a big chance against PSG uh, at the weekend. But four goals in 12 games isn't quite enough. And it seems like Leon have been battling uh, uh, Newcastle, well, that's the rumoured club at least, for Zenit's Sardar Azmoun, who I've actually watched a bit of. He's an Iranian striker who's both-footed, uh, a 27-year-old. He's been pretty good for Zenit. Uh, I think he'd be an interesting player because he, from what I've seen of him, he makes quite good intelligent runs, which I like. He's scored seven goals this season. He was linked with Roma last year. I think last year he got a 19 in 24. Um, doesn't really get involved in build-up plays, mainly a penalty box striker, which might not fit in with Petter Bosch because he likes all these players to get involved in build-up play. But that'd be certainly an interesting one. I think really the... Leon do need to make a signing though because they are... Currently 11th, I think, uh, in Ligue 1 uh, on 26 points, which, again, because of how tight Ligue 1 is, that's still only 10 points off third and second even. But they've been a real letdown this season. Uh, been great in attack, but porous in defence. And the other aspect to cover really is that Chelsea seem pretty set on recalling Emerson Palmieri from left-back, who's generally been pretty good for Leon in playing most of their games. If if Emerson goes, they've got the 28-year-old Enrique, uh, Brazilian left-back who's brought in the summer, who's barely played. And besides him, they've got no one else. So they might need to bring in a left-back body. But who that is, I I, I don't know. Because even though Leon hmm. do have the good cash, I'll go and run. There's a certain left-back at Arsenal that they can have if they want. Say Kalasinac, she's actually been linked to Marseille. Oh. Really? Someone take him. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking awful, he really is. He probably, he'd be, I mean, what, what, we'd see how he does elsewhere. I was just talking about, actually, on Twitter, former Arsenal player, and uh, Matteo Guendouzi, he's thrived in Liga and away from Arsenal. So maybe Kalasnach could go somewhere, maybe go to Lyon. But I think, I don't think he fits there, because Lyon under Petter Bosch, if they continue to keep him, they want players who, like I mentioned there, who are good in build-up, who are going to be more uncomfortable passing at the back. I'm not sure Kalazinac is that player. So they're definitely going to be a hand in the market for a left-back. Who that is genuinely remains to be seen. But maybe keep an eye on the exports coming out of Lyon. I wanted to just ask Alex anyway, who 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 do you think needs uh, Bruno um, Kouamerelez more, Arsenal or Juve? Arsenal, Arsenal, Arsenal. Juve, Juve... A kill. You've got too many midfielders there. Right, Ramsey, mm. Rabio, McKenny, Locatelli. Don't need any more. Arsenal, uh, gone. Archer. Arthur, yeah, as well. Sorry, yeah. So, um, Arsenal. Meanwhile, they've got Laconga, who's seems somewhere between like a box to box deep line playmaker, at least in the Premier League. In Belgium, he wasn't a defensive midfielder. 
you've got El Nenny, who's a Premier League rotation player, but he's not a starter. You've got Party, who currently at AFCON is showing why he's needed in the team, who's like your best midfielder. Then you've got Jack, who's a great passer, but not particularly mobile and it just feels a bit incomplete. I'd say I saw someone the other day actually um, on Twitter, uh, by the name of Cameron, a good friend of mine, saying that Arsenal don't need Gimaraish because uh, he's a mid player and he doesn't provide more than Jacker. And I'd heavily counter that. Gimaraish, he provides the passing of Jacker. Like he's fantastic at threading like curved balls through defenders into midfielders or forwards making runs in behind. Like, he's an exemplary passer. I don't even have to touch into the stats for that, even though he's uh, first in league going for progressive passes. But uh, what he provides more than Jack here is mobility. Like, you, you, it's normal to see the 24-year-old sort of race into uh, sort of good, good areas of the pitch, like forward areas in the final third, sometimes end up as the last man taking the shot like you don't see Xhaka doing that and he's got a certain grit about him in defense too he's not too boneheaded like Xhaka can be but he just covers a lot of the covers a lot of ground and wins the ball quite cleanly I think his only real issue is that he's pretty one-footed I think 94% of his touches come with his right foot so you shift him off he doesn't want to be on his left foot but you watch him, he's so good at escaping pressure and moving the ball around his feet. Like, I don't think that'll be an issue, especially in central midfield. So I think he's definitely needed at Arsenal. Yeah, like I say, I don't I don't see him going to Juventus. Juve, from what I've seen, would only want him on a loan with an obligation to buy and then they would probably want to pay that 45 million odd euros in about 15 or 20 odd years, like they do with every transfer. <laughs> so I, I've pray that they do is sorting something out because we need somebody but I think that might be one we go for in the summer if if anything but yeah it's a good player Right we will now head back to um, Jonathan for his second Bundesliga team Yeah so for this one I'm actually going to go with VFB Stuttgart um, they currently sit third, tied for third last in the league um sort of in that third place promotion playoff that will ultimately face the third best team from the second division you know they had a pretty good year last year was surprising after their recent promotion but they they really just have been lackluster their main striker Sasha Kalajic has been injured for most of the season thus far um but they could use some help especially at right back they have a really really good left back in Borna Sosa, uh, but they don't really have a consistent option at right back. They have a young player who's pretty good in Roberto Massimino, but he sort of plays in a more forward and attacking role. They have put him at right back before in the past. You know, of course, they have Konstantinos Movropanos, um, and at center back, there's a pretty good chance they'll sign him to a full deal. He seems to be pretty happy there, but they need someone at the right-back position. I like Lucas Kubler. Of course, I'm a little biased because it's Freiburg, but Freiburg just signed Hugo Siquet um, from this Belgium side, um, Standard League, and it's a pretty big investment. Freiburg, Jonathan Schmidt um, is slowly making his return back. He's been out for the last four months because of COVID, and some thought that he would never play football again. So they, um, they've really 
settled down and decided on their future at right back. And so Lucas Kugler could be on the way out, which would be a good option for Stuttgart. They could also use an attacking midfielder to partner with Rituro Endo, um, someone who can like push a little bit more further forward. Uh, Endo is more of a guy who's, who's your stopper. Um, and they could use a guy who sort of can help those speedy wingers on the outside, such as Koulibaly. I think Nicholas Dorsch from Augsburg, especially if Augsburg do up getting relegated, would be a nice little move there. He had an absolute wonder goal just a month ago. And then, of course, striker. Sasha Kalajic is 6'6", extremely thin. Um, whether or not they sell him this summer is... Who knows what his market value really is at this point. But over the summer when he was a little bit more healthy, they could have gotten him sent out for $20, 25000000 I'm not sure they could get that now. But Philip Forster and Omar Marmouche, who's now at AFCON, have done all right. But I like Jamie Llewellyn from Firth. Uh, Firth will definitely go down this year. And uh, he's a pretty exciting young attacking player. I think he's only 20 years old or something like that. So then get him to sort of give them that protection if Kalajic either gets injured again, which he has a lengthy history of, or if they do send him, sell him come this summer. Uh, fantastic. So, Naeem, who is your second La Liga team? Right, yeah, so I'm going to focus on a team that's currently sat second in the league. So I'm going to focus on Sevilla. So... I think the the areas that they need to strengthen in are in the attack because they're not a team that really does score many goals. Um, out of the top four teams so far this season, they are the least amount of goals. They've got thirty one goals, but you know they they can be doing better there. They were actually linked with a loan move for Martial um, uh, recently, but um, I think it's 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 the deal's fallen through uh, because of Man United's demands. Um, I, th- I think they wanted because obviously he's on he's on quite high wages. I think they wanted uh, Sevilla to uh, foot most of of the wages, so that looks set to have um, uh, died down a bit. So yeah, they they would need a they need another striker. Thus to um, that's need a really out and out striker that can get them twenty plus goals um, a season because. Uh, the current top goal scorer is on uh, six goals, Rathamir. So they, yeah, they, I think I think they'll try and try and get another attacker in um, in January, if not in the summer. But yeah, they're doing they're doing well so far this season. Um, Loktigi, you know, he's been there since 2019, and yeah, they're they're always a team that's in the top four. But uh, I think this season they are in a title challenge. So I think yeah, to help with. Sevilla, as they don't score many goals uh, when they do win, it's usually by like the odd goal or so. I think yeah, they need they need to uh, come in for a striker. The other position that um, I think they do need to strengthen as well um, will be their centre back position because obviously Jules Kunde he was obviously linked with a move last summer to Chelsea, but that did fall through. Um, I can't see Chelsea coming in for him in January, but you know if they do, uh, they will need. Another backup uh, in their centre back position because obviously he's a first team starter. They have been linked with the Chilean centre back um, Paulo Diaz, but not much more has really been um, said about that. I think it's just more paper talk than anything. So um, yeah, the positions that they do need to strengthen are probably going to be centre back more so in the summer, I reckon, because Jules Kunde probably will be gone, and they do need another um, attacker to you know to to help with uh, the goals. 
um, they need. So, yeah, Sevilla, um, yeah, they don't need to strengthen too much, but, yeah, those are the main positions I reckon that they do need to strengthen in the summer for, and in January, sorry. Fantastic. Right, back to me. Now, my second team, so I'm now going from my favourite team in the Premier League to my least favourite, Manchester United. They're <laughs> said to be in a hunt for midfielder. I think midfield is their biggest area of need in terms of the holding midfield position, because uh, I don't think McTominay or Fred quite have the mustard. Um, and I think also maybe centre back as well. But um, Bubakar Kamara of Marseille has been linked with Manu, as has Wolves' Ruben Neves. Um, other players have been linked. Aaron Ramsey's been linked with a move to Juventus, from Juventus to Manu, as well as my third team I'm going to mention in a bit. Um, but I think, you know, they mentioned Ramsey and Neves, but I think that their biggest, they, they've got people like Pogba and Flanders to do what Neves can do, but I think their, big, their biggest need should be um, holding mid, and I think that's why they're more likely to go for someone like Kamara. But I still feel that their biggest target should be Declan Rice. I said this before on both my pod, this podcast and also the Hair Dry Treatment podcast that I am a part of. Um, Declan Rice is the perfect signing for Manu because he does everything that no one else really does for Manu. I mean, look at the, the look at Chelsea. They've got Kante. We've got Fabinho. City have got Rodri uh, and Fernandinho in the past. Players who can mop up, you know, in that sort part of, part of the pitch. They mop up really well, and they, you know, they can prevent these little through balls. You know, the goal, the classic example is the goal that Chelsea scored against Manchester in the Champions League final was that they were missing holding fielder. They missed Fernandinho's presence doing what he does normally, and now it stops the uh, Havertz goal. So I think Man, you need someone like that in their team, and I think Declan Rice should be their number one target, but I. I can see him still going because Manu is still a massive club and they've got all the history and the size. But I think right now, why would you leave West Ham and they're having such a good period in their time as a club? Uh, so I, that's why I feel that if they're going to get him, it's more likely in the summer. But I think to the January, uh, maybe even a loan spell could, could be a thing. But I think personally, I, I, I'd say yeah, Rubica Kamara is the most likely player to come to Man United this January. Now we are on to our final teams. Um, so we are going to head back to Ryan in Italy. So who is your final third and final team? Yeah, the last team, it was a bit of a sort of toss-up really between two clubs. But I actually went with Fiorentina quite simply because it's just about that one man, Dusan Vlahovic. Um, will he move this window? Obviously, he's been heavily linked with Arsenal as well as Spurs, City. Juventus, Milan, all, all, all this window as well, with the gun is said to be the closest to getting it done, but it's whether he'll make the move to North London. As I said, he's not that keen on a Premier League move, and instead he would prefer to go to either Juve or Inter. But again, neither are in a position to sign him right now financially, and Fiorentina certainly don't need to sell to a division rival uh, financially, as well as competitively. and. They'll want the Serbian striker to join Arsenal probably because it means that they'll get top dollar plus Lucas Torreira as well, who's had a very good season for them. Spurs are not out of the running either, especially as Paratici has good relationships with Fiorentina and the players. Ryan, the the, uh, the Premier League's my league, Ryan. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Chill your beans. Um, 
you've 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 chucked me off now. Right. Um, <laughs> Fiorentina. They've also brought in former Genoa striker Christoph Piatek on loan from Hertha Berlin. Didn't really work out for him there. Obviously, he was a prolific goal scorer in Serie A before he did make the move over to the Bundesliga. So, you know, they've also been linked to Isco. I don't think that's going to happen. It'll be on mammoth wages. So, they've already obviously got a Kone in from Lille. Fantastic bit of business that was. And it's weird that they've brought in Piatek. Maybe, you know, if Flahovic does leave, maybe. I don't know. But they did need depth anyway up front. So, they're obviously going to be pushing for that sort of fifth, sixth place finish European football. I don't think they're going to get Champions League, but any kind of European qualification would be a great season for them, considering the dismal season that they had last year. So it all depends on if he moves this window or not. It will either be this window or in the summer 100%. So I don't know. It, it's it's a weird one, but it's you know you get the, the trouble is this time of the year you get rumours from every man and his dog, he, everyone turns into an ITK on Twitter. So you don't really know where he, he wants to actually go. But I think it'll be a club, obviously, with Champions League football, which neither Arsenal or Spurs can offer at the moment. But maybe in May, they'll be able to do so. But yeah, like I say, not too much else is going to happen, I don't think, with a lot of the other clubs in Serie A. Again, no one really has that much money to spend. So it may just be loan deals, deals between clubs. That'd be it, really. And that is it for Serie A. So thank you, Ryan, for your Serie A contribution this week, as per usual. Uh, we will now head back to Alex for his third and final French team. Yes, yes. And I've gone for last year's, well, the current champions, uh, Lille. Because we mentioned an underperforming team in Lyon, uh, who are currently 11th. Lyon just on the same goal difference as them. I think got the same points as them. They are 10th. And they've also been a little underwhelming this season. They've pulled things back together as of late. But they've got a lot of players leaving. So even though I think they're unbeaten in the last like, five or six games, really, going back past December. Jonathan David's agent has come out and said that um implied that this is his last year at Lille. Sven Botman looks like he will be leaving in the summer, if not January. And you've got Renato Sanchez as well, who's also kind of been inkling for a move, it seems. You've got Buraki almost turning even older. I think he'll be 37 soon. So that's... And also, again, Jonathan Ikone, who's just left for Fiorentina, as Ryan said. Um, So now we've got holes at right wing most likely striker and most likely left centre back that Lille need to fill and the issue is for Lille uh, when looking for who they've been linked with is if you type in Lille transfers uh, on uh, Google News you will just be fed with a thousand articles about Sven Botman going to Newcastle so that's useless um, but I've, I've, I've found a few players that I think might be uh, might be fun so for their striking issue Lille tend to kind of shop at home, I'd say, or like close to France, even in Belgium or in uh, or Ligue 2. But um, someone a bit closer at Lorient, Terra Moffi. Um, the 22-year-old's been pretty good for Lorient over the past couple of seasons. This season, he's got two goals, three assists in 18 games, which doesn't sound great. But last year, he got 14 goals 
in Lorient's debut campaign in Ligue 1. Um, I think he's quite a good striker. He's quite both-footed as well. He's only 72% left-footed. He takes 72% of his touches to his left foot. And Nigerian, I think he has quite a bit to go. I do think he's uh, quite a good player. He's also underperformed his expected goals this season. So by about 4.8, which should imply that he uh, could could be scoring a bit more, which could be perfected at Lille. They've done well with an inconfident striker. So he could be a person to replace Jonathan David. The issues do become harder, sort of central midfield and uh, in the, the left-back zone, I do have to say. Because I was even, I was just looking now, if there's anyone from Ligue 2 who could be coming up. But I was looking at uh, Artiste Wam at Le Havre, who he plays on the right side of the fence, uh, 19-year-old Cameroonian defender. So I don't think he's an option, really. So oh, I thought someone's mic's on there, but that's talk, sorry. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's so hard to shop for Lille because, as well, they're strapped to cash and their backups really aren't that good either. Like, on the right, they might play Angel Gomez, who's done pretty much nothing this entire season, the Manchester United only, even though he's still really young. I just don't, I don't see much coming in. I guess one midfielder to touch on, it might be good, could be Ibrahima Sizoko. Out of Strasbourg, he's uh he'll be uh um he's been pretty good this season. Sorry, six foot two midfielder. He's been quite mobile, like going up and across the pitch and doing a lot of defensive work. That's sort of similar to what Renato Sanchez was. Quite a mobile midfielder. He'll just be a bit stockier in presence. But as a left centre back, yeah, I'm uh, I Lille will most likely find someone out of nowhere. Uh, to play there, but as of right now, I'll just touch on the fact they've they've brought no one in, um, not been able to bring anyone in. They've just got that like, twelve million pounds for Ikone, and hopefully they spend it wisely. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Thank you, Alex, for your three league and teams. We will now head to Germany with Jonathan for his final German team. Well, I'm first glad to hear that we have a couple of. Jonathan's in European football doing pretty well right now. So that's that's nice to see. But I'm going to go with RB Leipzig for my last team. I think their defense really, really needs some help. Uh, you know, they brought over Simicon this past summer, and they have a couple of veterans there, Klosterman, uh, Willie Orban. Uh, but they haven't been extremely organized. You know, they had a better game this past weekend, but they could still use some additions to sort of, you know, help out uh, – an attacking lineup that is that's pretty good. Um, it'll definitely help the team to have Danny Olmo back. He's been out for a long time after his crazy, crazy uh, 2021, in which he seemed to play in every single competition um, and really did well for his club and his country. Um, but I really like Florian Grilich from Hoffenheim. They've put him at center back, but he usually plays in the midfield. His contract expires in 2022, so he could be a big move for Leipzig that can come at a pretty cheap price, basically free, I'm guessing. And then finally, I think they should go for a defender, a strong center back, tall, who can knock people over. And I really like Mainz's Musa Nikate. Definitely mispronounced that, but um, I probably did a better job. Now you got it spot on. You got it spot on. Did I? Oh, yeah. well. Musa Nia I, just think, 
I just didn't want to need the the Andy comparisons, but I, I knew I'd still do a better job anyway. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, you, you you can't be as bad as me. How, how bad do you think your pronunciations are? Like, they can't get as bad as mine have been. <laughs> Thank you. That's very kind. But, you know, I'm not sure how willing Mainz will be able to sell him. He's a, he's a pretty big focal point of their team. Um, 20, 25 million euros, maybe. I, I really don't know if the move is even possible, but a, a player like him could be big for this side because um, outside of Simicon, Orban, Klosterman have been okay. Uh, you know, they have a couple and Helinos on the left side, right side is either Heinrichs um, or some other options that they have along there. But I think a center back will really be important for 2022 in these next couple of seasons for Leipzig. I do think they'll get back in the champions league and, and push forward after a struggle to start their season. Uh, a couple quick things. Today, the day we're recording this podcast, Marvin Friedrich signed with Gladbach, which was very interesting. I think Kingsley Coman will stay at Bayern. Rafinha is not going to join, despite all the random Brazilian uh, reporters saying that uh, it's a set move to Bayern Munich, which I do not believe is true. And of course, Ricardo Pepe has probably been the biggest move of this window, the American went to Augsburg for a crazy fee for a team like Augsburg for around 16 million or so. Fantastic, fantastic. So, so we are now on to our second to last league of the of the episode. So we will head back to Naim for your final Spanish team. So yeah, my team I'm going to focus on quickly is Barcelona, who obviously sit sixth in the league. Um, so so far they've in Ferran Torres from Man City for a fee of around £55 million pounds, or euros. Um, he actually He's actually getting registered, I think, this week, I believe, um, as uh, Untiti. He's actually uh, taken a pay cut um, on for his new contract. So he, he should be registered uh, in the next week or so. And, yeah, you should, you should see him, obviously, start. I reckon he probably will start for Barcelona um, in the next week or so. So... They brought in one attacker, but um, I think yeah, they still do need to go out and get an out-and-out striker. Um, you know, they've got Memphis Depay, but you know he he can play more on the wings uh, more than down the middle. I know he can do that, but and they've also got uh, Martin Braithwaite. Um, he's still there as well. Um, he's not an out-and-out goal scorer. He will get you goals, but I think that they need they, they need a they need a striker that will get them minimum twenty goals a season. Obviously. Messi was doing that um, year in, year out for them, but now he's gone. Um, the goals aren't coming as frequently as as, the, as they wanted to. So they have been linked with Bamiyang, but I can't see that happening because he's on his wages. He's on big wages at Arsenal, and you know he's 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 in his thirties now. So I think they would rather go for a younger striker. Um, there was also rumours of them going for Alvaro Morata, but um, I can't see that one happening either. So. They need they need another striker. Um, obviously, bringing him in Ferran Torres is good. You know, he, he he did well when he was at City, and he is he is still young, so he's going to be one for the future in that front three. They also need to strengthen in the centre back positions, um, as the the central defenders are getting on a bit now, and I, th- I think Xavi will probably go go with playing with playing playing with the youth. So they have all, they've been linked with the lit, but I can't see him moving 
in January. If if anything, it probably will be in the summer if he he does decide to move on. Uh, they also was linked with Alexis Sanchez to come back as well. Um, that talk has kind of stalled. I haven't heard too much more about that, so I can't. I don't think I don't think he will be coming in either. But the main positions that they do need to strengthen are are probably was yeah obviously the striker position, centre back, and maybe another midfielder that can that will get um, that will get more than ten goals a season because. Barcelona's midfield um, doesn't really score much. Uh, they are heavy, he- heavily reliant on the forward players. Um, Memphis Depay has done well, but I think yeah, for they want to get into that top four and to move on for next season to try and challenge for the league. Then yeah, they do need to um, get get another centre back or two, get another striker, and get a goal scoring midfielder in a certain like ilk of Coutinho because. If he does well at Aston Villa, then I can see them obviously, obviously getting him on a permanent. So that will be one position that they are um, short on. So yeah, those are the three main areas that Barcelona need to focus on um, to get back into the top four and to challenge for the league again. Yeah, one player you mentioned in that night was yeah. Samuel Otiti. He's a player that I've always liked in the past. He's actually someone that I actually was was at one point saying you should buy a few years ago when he was. Um, obviously, at, at, at his best. But yeah. I'm looking at his corner transfer market of UK. His value is currently one million, and as you as you were saying. But of course, looking at 2018, his value was over 60 million. So one million. Know, according to this, his value <laughs> in 2018 or 2017 was um, 61, 60 million pounds. Yeah. Um, and I, I think maybe like, maybe that's because the World Cup win. I don't know, but. He's someone I always thought was a good player, but I've not, I don't watch Barcelona week in account, especially now Messi's gone. So has he been that bad, or is it to do with his injuries? Why his value's gone down so much? Um, in yeah, he has he has um, been played with injuries quite a lot since he's been there, so he hasn't featured that much. Um, like I said, he's been pretty much a bench player for most part of this season so far. So he might. Uh, he, Even then, Kepa worth. I checked the other day. Kepa was worth fifty-eight million in twenty nineteen. He's still worth nine million. One point eight million is an absurdly <laughs> low amount of. If I go to Derby's transfer mark squad, I guarantee half that's going to be worth valued more than Umtiti. Like, yeah. Like Lee Lee Buckman, uh, a twenty-year-old left back. Is worth two million, two point two million. He's worth five hundred thousand more, and apparently Samuel to see a World Cup winner. He's twenty eight years. That is astonishingly low. I can't believe that. Yeah, I mean, I believe. It... Sorry, carry on, right? I believe he's actually just signed. He just signed a new contract, and he with a lower wage. Yeah, yeah that, even then, that wouldn't uh, that wouldn't impact it. So, like, I spend a lot of time on transfer mark. I I can honestly say I've never seen a like. A player in a big five league who's even the last season made 13 appearances be valued that low. That's incredible. I mean, what, that... a, what a find, Andy. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you. I mean, I think personally, I think if, if you, you know, if someone goes, someone gets on City for one and a half million pounds, I think that's one of the biggest, the biggest bargains of the last five years. I mean, I know he's 28, I know he's had injuries, but if you can get him for that cheaply, I think it's at a pretty much no risk sort of. Deal with. I think that I you know teams out looking for centre backs. I think Sydney should consider, especially with Barcelona's money problems. I think they're certainly probably keen to offload various players, and, and you've seen that with um, Griezmann in the past, and obviously Messi. And I think you know, if team says, "I oh, will give you 
I think even getting for £5 million, pounds, that's still a bargain, especially in today's world. I think that teams looking for centre-backs that are struggling certainly should be looking at Antiti. I think it's just uh, the injury-prone proneness yeah. as well, that's the thing. Because so, uh, so far, this um, Travi's kind of... He's, He's pretty much playing Garcia and PK as a centre back pairing, and Antilles has pretty much been a bench player so far. So I, I don't know whether they're going to get rid of him, but yeah, we, we shall see anyway. But yeah, he's not he's not really favoured by Chavi at the moment. So yeah, it looks like his time is up. Yeah. Um, so we will now head to the final league, which is obviously the Premier League. But before I do so, um, I've mentioned my final club. There's been some there's been some breaking news in the last hour or so. The first one is Spurs have rumoured have said to have approached Jesse Lingard over a summer transfer. Because last season he's very impressive with West Ham and he's not really had much game time since coming back to Man U. Um, Erling Haaland is said to decide his fate this month, with Matity said to be in pole position for the British Dortmund striker. And then the both breaking news in the last 23 minutes uh, Newcastle, of course, already have already bought uh, Kieran Trippier. Uh, they also close to signing. Um, it says here, Chris Wood, who's undergoing a medical, the Burnley striker, for £20 million. He's currently travelling to the northeast to undergo a medical with Newcastle, who have met his £20 million release clause. Obviously, this is all a quick movement to replace the injured Callum Wilson, who suffered a disappointing injury recently. Um, That's Burnley relegated, then. Exactly. <laughs> I think that they have, I think Wood and Cornet are their main two attacking outposts, but I think that um, without him, I think they're staff. I mean, actually, I'm getting. Updates as I am on my group chat of um, more stats for you guys. Chris Wood, according to FB Ref, has accounted for 26% of Burnley's expected goals this season. And he was 30, 33% last year. So he's a very key player. Someone I think is very underrated, personally, the New Zealand striker. But the other news that's come out recently, which actually links to my last club, is Arsenal. And they have tended to retain strong interest in the aforementioned Fiorentina striker, uh, Vlahovic. Um, Arsenal for me I think in terms of targets their clear one is a striker I think that that's with the whole Bamming situation and with you know, Lacazette out of contract in the summer no signs of new contract same with Eddie and Ketcher they're clearly looking for a new striker I mean they should avoid players like Maiwen Buadu and I think for me um, Vlahovic should be the number one target because he's shown you know, this season whether he's a one season wonder I don't know but he's having a wonderful time and I think that you know Strike when the iron's hot. I think that it's whether they want to sell him in January, unless Arsenal literally offer them the world, offer them so much money. I can't see him moving there personally. Unless did you, you know, did you just say did you use Mario Boardo as a comparison just to prove to us that you could pronounce his name? Yes. Well, I thought you know I got to get it. I've been learning it last few days. So I've got to get in at some point. So um, I thought I'd bring it in right at the end, save it for the end. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, I think a strike has to be the more party because Abbaviang's clearly just um, had some maybe character issues. Let's talk of him. You know, there's he's pictured to get a tattoo when he was meant to be, you know, in training. Uh, for actually flying to Spain for a tattoo, not even having it in London. I think he flew to Barcelona and had it there. Um, so he's clearly, and also things in the past, like the whole um, nitrous oxide balloon stuff with um, Guendouzi as well. And I think there was someone else involved. I forget. I think it was Lacazette as well. There's clearly a lot of issues at, sort of off the field for Aubameyang, as good a player as he has been for Arsenal over the years. So in terms of, yeah, I think he should be the number one target. But I think, you know, 
there's no guarantee they'll definitely get someone of his quality. I think there's, you know, it's very hard for a team like Fiorentina to get rid of someone, you know, who's doing so well for them, um, sort of, you know, that easily in general. And I think that would be a big loss for them. So, in terms of other strikers, um, or Alexander Izak is another one being heavily linked with the move to Arsenal, the Sociedad striker, one that Ryan uh, rightly predicted to have a good Euros. Um, other positions, midfield is a big one. Um, we've seen, obviously, Partey's injury problems, Jacker's disciplinary record. Uh, they clearly they need more depth in that position. Aaron Ramsey's been linked. I mentioned before, he's been linked with a move back to Arsenal. I feel it's just like paper talk, just because he's you no know, ex-Arsenal, just you know a bit of romantic story there. Douglas Luiz has been linked with it, has been seen as a potential suitor for Arsenal, and obviously Bruno Guimaraes, the one you mentioned, play you mentioned before, he's someone else that um, has been linked. Same with people like Dejan Kulevsky, Dennis Akaria, uh, and um, in terms of outgoings, Atletico are linked with a move for Cedric Suarez. Arsenal have agreed to deal to send Follerin Balogun to Middlesbrough on loan. And Palace are interested in signing um, Eddie and Ketchia. I mentioned Aubameyang. They said here, according to Sky Sports, in January the 4th, Arsenal will consider suitable offers for Aubameyang with a January exit not ruled out. Um, Arsenal were touting Aubameyang around Europe's leading clubs for fear having to sell him at a much lower value that is £350,000 weekly wage may prove a barrier to any deals. So, I think Arsenal had a very good summer with transfers they bought. You know, Ben White is a bit... uh, Jerry's still out, but Ramsdale for me signing the season along with Jose Sarr. Um, Tommy Ass has been excellent, and I think that obviously buying Udegaard on a permanent deal has been good as well because he has had a fairly good season. So you can't really criticize the the, the board for the summer transfers. And I think if they want to, you know, because I think they're definitely a top four contender. I still think they will get top four. I think they're the, for me, we'll, we'll finish fourth in the league, but I think they need to have a bit more depth about them, especially for next season because they will. Get, get European football, whether that's Champions League or European football, they are going to have more games. So I, I do feel depth is something they need to strengthen a lot. And I think these players I've mentioned, getting players in and the right players, not just any player, players who will fit in the dressing room, who aren't, you know, seemingly locker, uh, dressing room canter like Aubameyang seems to be at the moment. So yeah, that is my three clubs. So that has been our um, European football transfer special, if you like to call it. Um, And we will see you next week for more European Football Reviews. So thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank you all for coming on today. I have been your host, Andy. This has been Ryan. This has been Naeem. This has been Jonathan. This has been Alex. And we will see you next time.